It's Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 with Damon Cotton and John Von Tobel. Man. I don't even know if I want to keep going. I've only got an hour, but still. Offended. Quite offended. Even though I'm the lead right now, I'm not first billing. Interesting. That's how we do this. Ben Brown over at Pro Football Focus is nice enough to give us some time today. Dare I say, a friend of mine, even though we have never met in person, but I've talked to Ben quite a bit. Uh, Ben, we appreciate the time here. So I wanted to start with this. Uh, We were talking about at the open of the show about this, you know, recent reports about the NFL really kind of cracking down on sports gambling policies and really trying to get in on these rookies and emphasize what the rules are, how it works, what they can, what they can't do. One of the things I thought was interesting in there was now rookies have to attend mandatory training on that. Why what, Why wasn't that a thing in the first place? And just generally, you know, you're a guy that covers the NFL from a betting perspective for PFF. What do you make of this thought? Like the NFL seems to be kind of trying to keep sports betting at a distance while also having its cake and getting money from the sports betting companies. I just don't think it's a really great look. Yeah, I, I actually am 100% agreement with, with you on that. I do think, and I did kind of expect, I would say, to see at least some some of the rules of which they're holding or the standards of which they're holding some of these players to at least be changed or alleviated to a certain extent. But it does very much seem like right now, given the policies that are in place, like like these guys aren't allowed to bet in their hotel rooms if they're in, if they're if, if they're you know paid for by the, the sports team. They can't bet you know if they're in like the you know the weightlifting room or anything else, kind of discussing things with teammates. And I think that that is, I would say, overly harsh and and not really. Uh, you know, I would say in the same vein or the same light that other sports leagues that have maybe had a little bit more success in implementing and understanding betting ha- have done. So I do think we're going to see at least some point, and it might not be this year, but I think we very much need to see, I would say, a little bit of a seismic shift in how the NFL approaches sports betting, specifically the players, uh, and, and moving more towards, you know, a sport that you, I think, you know, cover really well, JVT, is, is the NBA, right? And I think that, uh, you know, Adam Silver being, you know, the, the NBA commissioner, very much kind of being more accepting of sports betting, I think, has, you know, uh, navigated some what would what, what would many consider probably like rough initial waters. But I think it very much is in a much better spot than what the NFL is right now. So I think we need to see a pretty seismic shift in how they approach it, because right now we're getting guys, you know, kind of getting slaps on the wrist or even worse for, I would say, offenses that offenses that really aren't that egregious. And I think in the way in which, you know, these 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 news and these other things that kind of happen with sports players, like it's just going to be a negative light no matter what the actual story behind what actually happened actually is. So I think getting that right is very much the first step. And then the education point kind of after that, because it very much seems like, you know, a lot of NFL players out there really don't, I would say, understand even the policies that are in place right now. For them. And actually, Ben, you because you just sparked my memory, it, it behooves the NFL because I think a lot of people who aren't really educated on the topics just see this, like, rampant, like, oh, all these NFL players are getting suspended for sports betting. There must be an integrity issue. It benefits the NFL to get this thing in check, too, and educate their guys and maybe loosen up because they just look bad on the surface. A lot of people who don't really do right. the deep dive and read it just see NFL players suspended gambling. Like, it would make the NFL look way better if they actually loosened up a little bit and allowed these guys to be humans, much like the NBA. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head. And, I, and that's what you see in the headlines, right? Like this guy, Jameson Williams, gets suspended for sports betting. But it's really not like this this match-fixing sort of thing that right. I think is very much, you know, at the forefront of sports betting and very much the concern, right? And I think that, you know, the, the incentive to have players 
you know, shy away from that, I would say, so strong in the NFL that they're kind of fighting in some ways uh, an opposite battle in a lot of ways, whereas, like, the incentive for a guy to throw a game just isn't really there in the NFL like it would be for, you know, other sports where NFL where, where athletes aren't necessarily paid as much. Like, we see this a little bit more, I would say, like, you know, sport like women's tennis and those sorts of things. But I think from a traditional, you know, 11-on-11 team-based sport, like the, 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 the threshold to actually throw a game is so small and the incentive to do it is just not there for these guys. So I think getting right some of these headlines and really realizing that, you know, we don't have a problem with the integrity of the game. What we really have is an impro- uh, a problem with the current policy and the way in which the NFL league, I would say, is approaching it and how they're kind of handling some of those players. And I think that's the thing that has to absolutely change. And I would say hopefully it does you know, sooner rather than later, for sure. All right, so this is the uh, this is the nitty-gritty season, right? This is where teams through OTAs, minicamps, all that kind of stuff, and we're getting really close. It's going to be right here where training camp gets started, and the Hall of Fame game is really, really close, a lot closer than people think. So let's start talking about some football. So we are R&R, Raiders Nation Radio 920. Uh, I kind of tied in our, our conversation about sports gambling, about what does Raider Nation think about what the betting market thinks of the Raiders. So I'll ask you, Ben, uh, where do you stand when it comes to where the Raiders are at? Uh, right now, a win total of about 7.5. Obviously, the fourth choice to win the division in the AFC West. And nearly 4-1 to one to make it to the playoffs. What does a season look like for the Las Vegas Raiders in your mind? Yeah, very much. I mean, it is interesting. I, you know, I don't want to talk down too much on the Raiders, especially on their home, their home network. But like, this is kind of the make or break year in a lot of ways for Josh McDaniel. And they are kind of in, you know, a lot of ways still trying to figure out the quarterback position from both a short term and a long term perspective. I think, you know, there is probably very real concern with what's happening with Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, from an injury perspective as well. But this is a team that, in some ways, has had a few, in a, a, a lot of misses, I would say, in most recent drafts. In a lot of ways, like the covered for young, supreme talent at some of the core positions just isn't there, right? But I, I think, you know, the the, the, the the division itself is difficult, but it seems like, in some ways, at least their schedule, I think, starting off, could actually be conducive to them having some success if they can get Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I would say, off and, and playing well right away, right? So they have the game at Denver in week one that very much seems like a winnable game. You know, traveling to Buffalo in week two isn't necessarily there, but then I think you have, you know, week three at home versus Pittsburgh, a game that you absolutely have to win if you kind of want to stay in the playoff contention. And then, you know, you're looking at the Chargers, which might be a difficult game at home, division rival. But from there, like, you're looking at three winnable games, and I think there's a path to them at least getting to you know, six and two before they kind of enter that week eight stretch of games that could very much determine how much success they actually have. But I think this is definitely a make or break year, you know, for Josh McDaniels, how much they actually get, you know, from Josh Jacobs, if he can kind of repeat last season and maybe in some ways cut down, you know, what they have to get from Jimmy Garoppolo. That's very much the best case scenario. But I think they have the pieces in place from a skill position perspective. I'm just very much worried about, you know, the interior, uh, especially of their offensive line, and very much like how their defense is going to play. You know, I would say what's going to be a really competitive, you know, AFC West division. All right, six and two. Who could be mad at you for saying that? I mean, that's good. Start, that's a yeah. positive if the Raiders were able to do that. I don't like to engage in what about ism, but I'm going to do it here. No, by the way, if they finish seven and ten, then it's all really bad if they start <laughs> six and two. So okay. okay, you got me there. But so much when it comes to Raider Nation, where hey, they they're 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 seven and a half. That's the um, over under for them. But it's what about Denver? They haven't beaten us in a couple of seasons. What about the Chargers? They haven't proven anything. So. 
How do you explain that to Raider fans where they say, hey, we're not that bad, and what about these other two teams in the division that just happen to be the darlings every year but never prove it? Yeah, definitely. I think you kind of start back at, you know, in some ways, you know, I don't want to go just specific to what PFF has them ranked and stuff and those sorts of things. But like, I think, you know, you look at the Denver Broncos and you look at, you know, the Los Angeles Chargers, and it very much seems like, even though, you know, we saw Russell Wilson as worse last year, like both of those quarterback options, I would say, are still very much a step ahead of what, you know, what, what the Raiders can probably project to get from Jimmy Garoppolo, even in the cushiest of situations, even if, you know, everything sits correctly with him and Josh McDaniels and they kind of hit the ground running, you know, all the what they were at, you know, maybe a little bit from the New England Patriots perspective. But we've never seen, I would say, Jimmy Garoppolo be a guy that can, in a lot of ways, elevate the talent around him to be an actual sustainable and winnable football team. It does seem like, you know, his success in San Francisco is very much dependent on not only the play calling, but also, you know, a really sound and strong, you know, skill position unit that, also carried a lot of other, you know, mid-tier type quarterbacks to similar heights that Jimmy Garoppolo experienced. So I think that's where you kind of start at it. But I also think, you know, outside of, you know, a, a guy like Max Crosby, like uh, it doesn't really seem like the Raiders have, I would say, a ton of de- difference makers defensively. And I think that's something that, you know, the Denver Broncos have, I would say, in a lot of ways, prioritized. They do have some more off-season acquisitions, you know, getting Frank Clark in the fold defensively. Still have a really young I would say secondary, but can very much evolve. And I think you, in a lot of ways, saw you know a similar recipe, uh, you know, for the Los Angeles Chargers, who went out and spent a ton of money last season in free agency, you know, on a lot of these name brand type defensive players. But I think in year two, you know, that's really maybe the spot where you can project them to be better. So I think it is you know kind of looking around and you know outside of a few key spots that the Raiders have, like I think both the Denver Broncos. And the Los Angeles Chargers have very similar, I would say, players at those key positions and then can kind of fill in the gaps in a much better way than what the Raiders, I would say, have on their current roster. So unless you're expecting, you know, pretty sizable leaps from, you know, guys on the Raiders side of things, uh, I think they do feel like they are probably a step behind both those teams, you know, in the AFC West pecking order right now. Again, we're talking to Ben Brown from PFF here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. I want to ask you about the running back position. And when it comes to betting on futures, with the position that's so in flux with some of the top guys, hey, not getting that contract that they want, and then you never know how a team is going to go running back by committee, is it even worth it to, let's say, bet a future on who's going to lead the league in rushing? Um, I think it is, you know, and I think, it, you know, the uncertainty that you kind of mentioned, especially at the running back position, can in some ways – maybe allow you to, you know, open up some opportunities on, you know, longer shots in a lot of ways. But I think, you know, when you're looking at, like, the wide receiver position, who's going to lead the league, uh, you know, in in receiving yards, like, I think you do probably want to be gravitating more towards, you know, the upper end range of uh, of the real marquee-type running backs. But I think, sorry, the wide receivers, but I think given the running back position, and if you're looking at the most rushing yards totals, like, I think that that in some ways, would be a spot where I would look to potentially play a little bit more of that uncertainty. Maybe look at a guy that you know is very much projected to potentially be in uh, you know a sort of committee share, but could easily kind of grab the lion's share of opportunities and, and really run away with that. So I, I think it's a spot where you know the, instead of betting some of the favorites, you know you very much look to that mid-tier option guys in committees that could very much you know grab grab the entire share and get 65 to 70 percent of the rush attempts in that particular offense. And I think that's the volume that you need to potentially, I would say, win that long shot bet. 
Do you think the Raiders need to go and grab another quarterback before the season begins? I was reading an article uh, earlier today where the thought of acquiring Cooper Rush was thrown out there to add to the depth. Do you think they can go to battle with the current depth chart? I mean, I would not want to go to battle, I would say, with Brian Hoyer as my backup quarterback, especially with Jimmy Garoppolo as a starter. I would say that I am intrigued by what Aiden O'Connell has. I do think his profile kind of coming out of Purdue is is one in which you have a really accurate quarterback that did have a high volume of attempts that maybe wasn't, you know, a, a really far A dot, but can very much deliver, I would say, accurate throws to the intermediate route. So I, I think he is kind of an intriguing piece, but I think as a backup, you know, outside of Brian Hoyer, you very much want some guy that could potentially challenge Jimmy Garoppolo, especially in training camp. And I don't know if Aiden O'Connell is necessarily that guy right away as a rookie. So I think you would be, you know, very much inclined, especially given the concern with Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe having an injury situation that we're not, you know, fully understanding right now. Uh, I think it's kind of, um, you know, the onus is on the Raiders, I would say, to potentially fix that position and getting another guy in camp, especially at the backup quarterback position, very much seems like the best option from my perspective. So, okay, let's zoom out then. We've talked about a lot about the Raiders, and let's t- let's take some big picture stuff. So I haven't been able to talk to you for a while, Ben, so I wanted to focus. I like to look at these teams, you know, a lot of the times when you come in, what are the teams that are going to be overvalued by the betting market? What are the teams that are going to be undervalued by the betting market? Am I barking up the right tree when I think that the betting market is overvaluing what the New York Jets can potentially be? Yeah, I mean, it is interesting because I think I started off the offseason in some ways not as optimistic about the Bills returning to form. And I, in a lot of ways, was looking for a team in the AFC. So I'm very much not a Patriots guy, which in some ways carries over to, you know, my, my, my not the disdain for Josh McDaniels, but also just something that I, I don't know if he's necessarily going to figure it out from the Raiders' perspective in a lot of ways. But I think if you're looking at, you know, the AFC East in particular, if you don't really buy into Buffalo, you don't really buy into New England, it kind of leaves you with, you know, the, the Miami Dolphins who have Tua Tagovailoa, but, you know, the, the, the concussions and things still could be a little bit of a worry. And then you look at the New York Jets and, you know, very much, you know, outside of the quarterback position, they have the pieces kind of in place, right? And they did go out and get a couple guys that should at least make Aaron Rodgers more comfortable, you know, operating in this offense. And I've heard some things I would say, you know, through the grapevine, basically. Um, one of my good friends, uh, Arjun Menyon, is, uh, is an intern for the New York Jets right now, and he was actually there for OTAs. And, you know, just hearing some things for what he said, like very much the, 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 what he saw was that Aaron Rodgers was playing some of, his, some of his best football he's seen in quite some time. And I think if that happens and that kind of carries forward, like this could be a really good football team. So I'm actually probably on the opposite side in a lot of ways, but I think that I'm buying into the New York Jets more and more. And I do think that, you know, Rodgers mm. essentially fit relatively seamlessly into this offense. And if he does, they have kind of the pieces everywhere else, I would say, to maybe be in that second tier of AFC teams that is trying to, you know, knock out the Kansas City Chiefs come playoff time. The other team that I think is very much overvalued. Are we really doing this with the Detroit Lions? Like, we're talking, like, division favorites. We're talking favorite to get to the playoffs. Like, this is what we're doing with Detroit. Really? Right. I'm, I'm, I'm in 100% agreement with you on that. Thank I think you. The, the train has left the station on that one. A little bit too much hype. I blame my, my good friend Eric Eager yep. for that one quite a bit. Restore the roar. the roar. Just a little bit too much, unfortunately. But it has officially been uh, restored to the point that it is overvalued. I, I don't know. I think there is probably some, you know, there is maybe something to be said about the fact that they could be – favorites to win the NFC North, but I think when that happens, you know, you, you very much are seeing some undervalued teams that could potentially, I would say, get there at longer odds. So that's the spot that I'd be betting right now. I think it's just 
too much too soon. I also think the draft and what they kind of prioritized specifically in the first round <laughs> was a lot more, I would say, luxury-type picks than you know actually trying to fill some sustainable needs and really actually get this team to the next level. And I think that a team that, I would say, hasn't necessarily arrived yet and is making those picks already, uh, very much, I would say, is maybe – you know, not going to end up where everyone kind of projects them to be right now. So I'm more concerned about the Detroit Lions. I just, I just don't know who can actually, you know, get it done in the NFC outside of the Philadelphia Eagles right now. You know, you don't mean you mean an interior linebacker, a running back, and a safety for your top three picks. That's not really doing it for you, huh? Not doing it for me, unfortunately. <laughs> right? It's uh, the, the yeah the the emphasis on the non key positions. I think you know is very and I get it if you're a team like Philadelphia, if you are a team yep. that feels like they're one step away in some ways, right? But it just seems like Detroit overachieved in a lot of ways last year and is now kind of out there acting like they're the big dog on the street. And I just don't know if they've proved enough yet. I would say to really be kind of making some of these decisions that they made this off season. Well, they are the big dogs because their coach will bite your kneecaps off. So, so I've got to ask about a division that's close to me and JVT, the AFC South. Who do you think should be the favorite or what do you think has the best odds to win the AFC South? Because I don't believe in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, I can, I actually kind of understand it. And, you know, especially at like the minus 165 price or something. And I, I know JVT knows this about me, but I, I've honestly kind of always had a soft spot in my heart for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I, I've liked, they've always kind of been the team that I've gravitated towards in the AFC, uh, being more of an NFC homer type person. So I'm intrigued by what they have with Anthony Richardson. I think if you're looking at, you know, some of the, maybe not necessarily the AFC South odds at plus 550, but maybe some of their odds to be like the most improved team. I mean, they've only won four games last mm-hmm. season, tied, you know, in, in, other, in another one that could benefit them. But they're a team that, you know, are sitting at like plus 800 odds to have the most improved, you know, win-loss schedule based on where they were at last season. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I think you're buying into, you know, Anthony Richardson upside, which he has very much, I would say, flashed already. And if they can kind of, you know, in a lot of ways, build on that right away, uh, I think they could definitely have the pieces in place defensively. And I am very much still a believer in Michael Pittman to the point where I think they could make some noise in the AFC South. So although it's not the most likely bet or anything, I, I think at like plus 550, uh, I would be betting on the AFC South. I'd, bet on the, uh, I'd, I'd probably be betting on the Indianapolis Colts of any of these four teams to buy into for this season. All right, Ben, we'll get you out of here on this because it ties into what you're just talking about. As you know, there's a wide spectrum out there. There's a lot of different outcomes for a lot of these teams. Am I crazy in thinking that I look at the Jacksonville Jaguars schedule and say, you know what? That's a candidate to maybe get the one seed in the AFC. That they're not really going to be that good, but their schedule's easy enough and they're going to be improved enough that at good enough numbers, and I haven't seen anything posted yet for one seed in the AFC, that that actually could happen a little bit more often than maybe the market would think it is. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I definitely think they have, you know, I, I want to say it's like 26 or something based on PFF ELO rankings right now. So very much set up to be really, really successful right away. Um, I, I think like their first five game stretch, like they have either at Indy week one or whatever. Uh, then they go, then they're, they have the Chiefs at home. And I think that's going to be maybe the crucial spot for them to potentially, you know, I, I don't want to say week two is really going to determine the number one. Team, yeah, right. But I think if they could potentially be there in that game, like it's going to showcase a lot of other things for them. So I, I don't think it's too crazy. I do think there is probably a ceiling that we don't fully understand with Trevor Lawrence right now. And Doug Peterson yep. is very much a guy that I want to buy into. So I do think the schedule sets up pretty favorably for them uh, once they get past week five. And if that happens, 
you know, they, they could very much be in line to win some very easy games down the stretch uh, and, and potentially lock up that number one seed. So I don't hate it either. I'm going to be monitoring, I would say, that market yes. to see if there's anything that pops up here soon enough, I would say. All right, Ben, uh, what's going on at PFF? You got anything coming up here? Obviously, it's uh, we're getting to we're getting to time, man. It's going to be Hall of Fame game time soon. Teams are coming up. All these markets starting to hit out there in the betting world. What's going on at PFF? What do you got going on? Yeah, we're grinding out some uh, tools. We've been working pretty hard on a new, you know, fantasy experience. It's obviously a big part of our, uh, our of our suite. And then we also have a, you know, play-by-play simulation that I'm hopefully putting, you know, some of the final touches on that will allow people to see some advanced simulated stats for every single game uh, that any player would potentially play. So that's coming out. And then we're going to have, you know, the, the usual suite of, you know, futures markets and some PFF green line numbers hopefully coming up here in the next week or two as well, if I can figure out some behind-the-scenes bugs hmm. that have been, uh, I would say, plaguing me for far too long. But, yeah, keep your eye on PFF.com. Once I get through the this, you know, the lion's share of work, I'm hopefully going to get out some, you know, futures articles and other things as we prep towards week one. But like you said, it's coming sooner, uh, much sooner than what I would even expect to be right now. At PFF underscore Ben Brown, betting and data over there at Pro Football Focus. Ben, it's good to talk to you, man. Glad you're doing well. We'll, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. Yep. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. By the way, PFF, a, a very good spot, too. It's a subscription-based, but it's very good for uh, college football fans. They've really been diving into the college football data as well. What do you think? Jacksonville Jaguars. And I want to stress anybody listening, because a lot of people hear stuff like this and they're like, you're crazy. The Jags aren't going to be that good. My thing is the schedule is one of the easier ones in the NFL. And if we're talking about the probability of them finishing with the best record in the AFC, might be a little bit more likely than you think. And I'll liken it to, it would be like them on the Tennessee Titans. Uh-huh. Remember the year the Titans went, I think they went 12-4, and four, they won the one seed. Yep. But every number, everything you watch, you're like, well, they're not really that good. And that ultimately proved to be the case. I think it would be the same thing for Jacksonville. Agree to disagree on that last part there. But when it comes to the Jaguar schedule, here we go, I have it right here. Opening up the season against the Colts. Mm-hmm. All right, let's say win. Chiefs, loss. Texans, win. I'm looking. Okay. I see I see why you're saying this. The schedule is a little soft. But By the way, get- don't just automatically go loss for the Kansas City Chiefs. Just remember that. Oh, they got something for KC. Uh, I wouldn't they say They got that. something for KC. You better watch out. Trevor Lawrence and his big old neck are coming for you. You're looking at the schedule. It's I'm, not that I'm, crazy. I'm, it's not. It's not crazy. You know, wilder things have happened, but no way because you got to chalk up those two losses that they're going to have to the Titans. Uh, you know, it's just it's it's not as set in stone as you're making it out to be. That's all. I'm, I'm not see. And you're doing the thing that I'm telling you not to do. I'm not saying it's set in stone. I'm saying there's a higher probability. There's a higher probability of it happening than you think it is. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That's what. That's how this thing works. I'm not saying it's going to happen, man. Now we're getting angry. I'm just, you know what? I'm just taking out my rage on you because I wasn't first billing. That's exactly what was happening. And that's why you're gone. That's right. You're out of here. here. I'm out of here. Uh, Before we get out of here, though, when we come back, let's get an update. Ian Rappaport had some really good information. We talked a lot about Josh Jacobs and what's happening with the contract negotiations. Is he going to get the deal done? Ian's going to tell us. Two tight ends in and a fullback. Snap, handoff, Jacobs trying the middle. He walks in. Touchdown, Raiders. Josh Jacobs. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Yep. It's the story of the offseason for the Raiders. Outside of Jimmy G's foot. Josh Jacobs. I thought we had a good conversation about it yesterday. Josh deserves to get his money. 
the intricacies of being a running back in today's National Football League, all that stuff. But we need more info. I'm not connected. I talk to people who talk to people, but they don't talk to me. You know who talks to people, though? Who's the that? people directly. Ian Rappaport for NFL Network. So they had an update. Because remember yesterday, right before we came on the air, you've said it very well. Josh Jacobs' subtle tweet, which was, Bad business. And that caused some waves, as is one to do when you know, you're negotiating. So Ian Rappaport jumped on NFL Network, I think it was while we were on the air, because you're going to hear him say today about the tweet. It was obviously yesterday. Giving us an update on the running backs. Remember, it's a fascinating summer. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs. Let's hear about let's hear about Saquon Barkley first. Let's get the update on Saquon. Ian, what's going on with him? The July 17th deadline for franchise tag players to get long-term extensions. Let's take a look at the three top running backs still in flux. First of all, the Giants and Saquon Barkley. Now, he said recently at his camp that he's not going to make a definitive declaration of what he's going to do for the 2023 season until we get to that deadline. And to be sure, there is still room here for a deal. Talks are back on between the Giants and Saquon Barkley. Now, we'll see if they're able to get to a point where he can become one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL. But at the very least, Saquon Barkley is expected to be back with the Giants on a one-year fully guaranteed tag. It's just a matter of, is he going to get the security that he wants? Time will tell on that one. Okay. All right. So that's actually a good report. They're talking again. At the very least, expected to be there on the one-year deal. They're going to work toward making him highest-paid running back or one of the highest-paid running backs. Good update. Yeah. He also brought up the three guys. Well, one of them is Josh Jacobs. What's the latest on Josh? Somewhat similar situation for Josh Jacobs and the Las Vegas Raiders. Can't ignore the fact that Jacobs tweeted bad business today. Perhaps an indication that he's not exactly pleased with where talks are going. Still plenty of time. These deals rarely get done before the deadline. But another one that we will be keeping our eye on. Either way, though, if he does not get a long-term extension, back with the Raiders on that one-year deal. That was excellent reporting. I didn't hear anything. What are you talking about? These deals usually don't get done before the deadline. Okay, that's a good one. We just got to keep waiting. That's all. Okay. So pretty much no new information. All right. No. I got excited. I clicked on the video. I was like, this could be great. What a good topic. We're going to get some concrete information. Absolutely nothing. Wait until the deadline. You know, everybody wants, you know, the clickbait society. They want their information now. Clickbait society. Yeah. How old are you? I, you know, is that sub, is it going to come back? Nobody just wants to wait. We Don't wait do these this. Things out. Don't do this. The sub that Damon is referring to here, the topic that has taken the world, the nation by storm, the lost Titanic sub, the sub that went down, was it 13,000 meters? Feet? Yeah, Whatever me- it is. Me- yeah, me- meters. Meters. Um, to go view the wreckage of the Titanic. That sub has been missing now. It's almost two days, isn't it? Are we going on two days here? Going on two days. <sighs> Man. So I've been watching, I'm going to look at the pictures of this sub. And, like, the, the setup, I, they're, like, scrunched in there. There's no room to, like, lay down. There's nothing. I, I Man, I cannot imagine being down there. Not enough money in the world. No. For it to be, oh, man, they spent a quarter of a billion dollars. Quarter of a million, excuse me. Yeah. Quarter of a million dollars to go down and see the Titanic wreckage. For who? For what? Send a camera down there yeah. and let me watch the video. That's crazy. They got museums all over the country for it. Right. They just 
There's one here. Yeah. <laughs> right? I haven't been to it yet. I'll go. That's – I couldn't – for those who haven't seen this sub, I'm talking like minuscule in terms of the measurements. When you're sitting in it, you're these guys – and they look they, – they don't look like the picture I saw. They're not short guys it looks like, or at least in the sub it makes them look pretty tall. They're hunched over sitting on these tiny benches. There's like one window looking out. It's not a window. It's a screen showing you what's outside. No, so there is actually. Oh. So I was looking at it today. I've done a lot of research Okay. There's actually an area, we'll call it an area, that they can go to the bathroom. It's literally just like a box. I'm going to do something like like this. He's grabbing a box. Yeah, like that size. It's like literally a box like that size. It's a box in studio. And it's a very small box. How, How tall and wide would you say that is? Like a foot by a foot and a half maybe? Yeah, it's not that big, guys. And it's, so it's it's like placed in front of what looks like a very giant glass like orb looking window. It's it's where the door is. It's where they bolt it down, so you can see out in there. But dude, I I I'm not claustrophobic, but I feel like I'd get claustrophobic if I knew I was stuck in a submarine with four other dudes. 13,000 meters under the sea. And then you talk about a submarine, but then, like, I watched the video, the CBS video where they interviewed the guy. Oh, man, th- this guy, he's he's thinking outside the box here. It's the size of a minivan, and then he's looking at it. It's it's controlled by what looks like a PlayStation 2 controller. It's a Logitech video game controller, yep. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even familiar with Logitech. I think that was the brand, yeah. I'm not, not a clue. Where you're, like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We're going down deep into the sea, and it's only controlled by this video. Like, well, oh, it, it's so simple. But it also, what the crazy part is how, how they're lost. It doesn't have any sort of like tracking, yeah, beacon, anything that would let you keep track of the where black it's going. box that's indestructible that they put inside airplanes. It, it, well, Nothing. And, like, and I was reading one, so there was a journalist who was actually reporting on this, who had not gone on the tour, but had been like up and we'll call it home base during one of the launches. And, you know, whatever it was, a year ago, months ago, whatever it was, come on. When that journalist was watching that time, it got lost that day, too. It got lost for five hours. But they luckily, they found it that time. So, like, this has happened before. Except this time, it's a little longer than five hours. That's, I don't know how, I, I just, I don't know how decisions are made. Especially when it's clearly rich people. Yes. Like, you got to be smarter. you got to be smarter than this. So, apparently, they're hearing banging noises. Is what they're calling it in the area in which they think the sub has been lost. They're doing all the sonar, and like the guy said, you know, we have to measure the acoustics. We got to make sure if there's a pattern to it, whatever it is. We want to make sure it's not just noise that we're chasing; that it's actually maybe something down there that's doing like banking noises rhythmically to like signal that they're still there. But that's wild. Dude. I don't believe in sonar that much. What do you mean you don't believe in sonar? I, uh, that they're just they're just that's, it's like a tangible thing. Yeah, right? but that, it's oh the, the, now that's them. Let's go down there. Well, they're investigating whether or not it's them. We're wasting resources. Wow, I don't want to go down that path. What are you saying? I've, careful, I've seen careful. It. Hold on, hold on. careful. I'm, not, I'm not being insensitive. I've seen, I've seen, you know, tweets. I've seen interviews from experts on this field, people that are smarter than me, and they're saying, "Yeah, those, those guys are gone." There's crazier stories that have happened. People believe in Hollywood too much that it's like, oh, they're they're less they're on like a less than a day of air now, and what at the last minute they're gonna find them? Got to keep trying. But because the other thing is, we were discussing, there are stories out there that that is not like that is one of like what three vehicles that can actually make it that deep, 
that's actually lost. So even when you find them, how do you get them? That's crazy. I can't. See this, uh, you see the uh, news about the stepson? Was he at a Blink-182 concert? Yeah. His Twitter handle's even got like 182 in it, so, you know, he's a fan. Oh, man. Wait, he's got what now? His, his handle, whatever, it's, let's say if it's... Oh, so it's be, like... It's like JVT, yeah, 182. <laughs> I feel like I'd stop going to the concert if that was uh, if that was a thing. Can I tell you, can I cite something really quick? Go for it. Before we get out of here? We'll, be, we'll bring it back to serious stuff before we get goofy again. Man, actually, I want to get goofy again. No, 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 we'll do something serious really quickly. What did you think of the question that I posed to Ben Brown when we talked to him 10 minutes ago? There was an anonymous coach... That said the Raiders have, quote, big issues at quarterback and that they should trade for Cooper Rush. Anonymous coach. I don't know what that coach is talking about. You think, you're, you think the Raiders are good with the quarterback depth chart? Roll into battle. Let's go. Get the season started. Yeah, you got you to gotta, you gotta play with the pieces that you have. I don't think well, Cooper, I know, but you can go get more pieces. I don't think that Cooper Rush is the answer. Well, I don't think he's going to be a starter. I think, that, I think the thought is, is that he's going to be the backup. Okay, serviceable for what two or three games? I mean, well, that's what you want your backup for. Yeah, but if you're looking at it, well, that's why you draft Aiden O'Connell. You draft Aiden O'Connell so you don't need Cooper Rush. No, you draft Aiden O'Connell because he's going to be your quarterback of the future. It doesn't necessarily mean you want him to be your quarterback, your back, your primary backup quarterback this season. I'd still rather see what he has if he's going to be the quarterback of the future. Okay, than Cooper Rush. I think it's about maximizing your window. We talked about that yesterday. Maximizing your window. And you also maximize your window by getting a quarterback, backup quarterback, that you would feel the most comfortable with if your primary quarterback went down. And your primary quarterback this year does have a history of injuries over the last few years. I don't think it's the worst idea. Not the worst, but it's not great. I'll say this. I hope you weren't one of these people. Okay, let's hear it. Cooper Rush wasn't really great last year. So please don't do the he won a bunch of games thing because that would be a very big mistake. The, uh, the offense for the Cowboys was pretty anemic when Cooper Rush had taken over. So don't do the like, hey, he, he was undefeated at one point. He was great. Got to get him in. Winning is a team thing, not just a quarterback. Yeah, and also the, the part of the narrative with Cooper Rush where it's, hey, they're winning games with Cooper Rush because they're not asking him to do anything. <laughs> that's it's, it's yeah. a very good point. It's a very good point. Now, you can make the argument that uh, – you can make an argument that, as we talked about yesterday with Josh Jacobs and the way that he was running the ball, that part of that is Josh McDaniel's offensive scheme, and maybe a quarterback like that could come in and have his floor raised, like Cooper Rush could be as a backup quarterback. But I'd be interested to see if they do anything. I don't think they will. Okay, you sent this in before we get out of here, some potpourri topics. First of which is Victor Wembanyama is going to be the first overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Did you see him throw the pitch out yesterday? Oh, yeah, it was terrible. Did you see what a baseball looks like in his hand? It's massive. His hand is huge, and the baseball looks like he's holding like a marble. Yeah, it's he, incredible. He, all like all five of his fingers are just like completely over the baseball. He could wrap it twice around. I think like he could wrap his fingers twice around the baseball. That's how giant his hands are. He ranked his Star Wars movies. Are you? I don't think. Are you cool enough to know what like these Star Wars movies are? Are yeah, you cool yeah, enough yeah. to rank the movies? You want to know something? Okay. I haven't watched the most recent three. Let's say the J.J. Abrams, because I was like the no, best I, ones. I was like, I don't want it to ruin my experience. I don't want it to ruin it. I'm just kidding. I don't, they weren't that good. Yeah, I didn't watch them because like because people like you, I read a couple reviews. I don't want to waste my time. Didn't even want to. No, didn't even watch them. 
don't want you to ruin w- in my head the idea of Star Wars. There is an answer for the best Star Wars film. Did you? I didn't hear. I didn't realize this was a clip. What did he say? It's. I know that Attack of the Clones is his second favorite Star Wars film, which is odd. Attack of the Clones is better. Is better than most people think. But there's only one correct answer for what the best Star Wars movie is. I'll see if you get this right. Mm, a New Hope. No. We're not going with the first one? No. What are we going with? Revenge of the Sith? That fight on the lava planet? Obi-Wan? Anakin? Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Hey, man. We might have to hang out after the show. Because I didn't want to say Revenge of the Sith. What? Yeah, of uh, course. I didn't want to get, I didn't want to get shunned. What, what, is he, uh, what does he say at the uh, what, – what's one of his – He's uh, I will do what I must. You will try. It's a great line. It's a great line. All right, let's um let's play this clip. I don't I don't I think I think it's bleeped out if he has any. Well, we're gonna find out. You think? Now. All right, let's play the game. Do it. First of all, when I say Star Wars, I don't count the three last. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the three last what? The sequels mm-hmm. suck. Yeah. So my favorite is Re- Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And, uh, my second favorite's got to be Attack of the Clones. And um, I'd say uh, The Empire Strikes Back. First- Look at that. Wemby's got it going on. You know what it is? What, how old is he? What, 19 years old? Yeah. Definitely born, you know, after the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Those movies, the prequel, when they came out, I bet those movies were so hot to him. Because it was like, man, now this, you know, the technology was obviously better in the early 2000s. Now, this is what Star Wars was supposed to be. It's 2023. He was, he's 19. So he was born in 2000. What? Two? No, 2004. Yeah. When did the first? What did the Phantom Menace come out? Oh, that was 99. But I'm so. so but that still yeah. would have been his idea of what Star Wars is supposed to be. Yeah, he probably. He, yeah, he could have seen Revenge of the Sith pretty young. Yeah. That was a good movie, babe. I'm telling you, man. Good guy. Now, yeah, unlike this kid's got this kid's going places. He's saying smart things. Did you see what happened with Brandon Miller earlier today? He was asked about the greatest of all time, the GOAT in basketball. My guy. Do you know what his answer was? Playoff P. Paul George. Now, I think there was something lost in the question because clearly the way he was answering it, it was like what player does he want to emulate in his game, Mm -hmm. like the way he was answering it. But people, of course, just catch on to the GOAT thing and then run off with it. So, Also... Going back to my point about minority owners before we get out of here. Oh, no. Michael Jordan apparently told him that all you are is a shooter. Like, ah, you're just a shooter. You're, why would you say that to the guy? Like, Jordan needs to chill out with some of the trash talk. It's, he's, the, he's potentially the future of your franchise. What are you doing? Well, I mean, he's got to push these kids to want to be better. And he should say, and I took that personally. That actually, should be and for the Brandon Miller doc 20 years from now. He actually, actually kind of did. Because he was also roasting Jordan during his interview because apparently Jordan missed a free throw when they were shooting free throws. And he's like, yeah, it's because he's old. <laughs> Ain't got it like he used to. See? So he got him he's a little not bit. Go- he's not going to be playing one-on-one with the players anymore. Right. He got him a little bit. All right. It's been fun. I appreciate it. It didn't go too off the rails, right? I got to no, go on vacation, but I didn't get too crazy. Enjoy that ish hole uh, from a... Uh... Merced, California. <laughs> going to be out there. If you're out in the area, say what's up. I'll also be in San Fran in the Bay Area. So any Rex, I'll take it. At me, JVT, on Twitter. At Demon underscore the boss. Yep, yep. Got to solidify that thing, man. Simplify it. Just get rid of the underscore. Talk to you later.